Many of you know my dog Leo. I've talked about him before, and a lot of you have met him after Mass. And he's a um, great companion and a great, great dog. And he's, he's big enough to jump into the car by himself. So typically the routine is I just simply open up the back door, uh, the, yeah, the back door of the car, and he just hops on into the back seat. And what I do, I just keep at all times like a dog cover uh, so that his dog hair doesn't get all over the seat. But if ever I need to go grocery shopping or if ever I have a, a friend that needs a, you know, that's in the car with me, I'll just you know, pull the seat cover to the side and they can just automatically sit in a nice part of the car without any dog hair. And then when I'm done with that experience, we'll pull the, 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 the cover back over to its spot. And then next time Leo gets into the car, he just jumps right on in. So it's been a nice system. It's worked really well for the past two or three years, however long I've had him. I've lost count. But uh, the point is, it's worked well. But some, somewhere along the line, a couple of weeks or months ago, I, I must have, um, after having someone sit in the back seat, forgotten to put the seat cover back. And then it wasn't long until Leo was back into the back seat without the seat cover. And so I noticed that his dog hair was getting on the seat. But I was in a hurry and, you know, I just kind of like was in the middle of my day. So I just, I didn't do anything about it. But I didn't want to put the seat cover back because there was dog hair. Like I needed to, I needed to clean it first before you put the seat cover back. And uh, so then I just kind of got busy, forgot about it, and lo and behold, Leo's back in the car getting more dog hair on that seat, and I hadn't pulled the seat cover back. So now, well, gosh, I definitely can't pull the seat cover back because more dog hair is on the seat. And so now it's just this conundrum because, yes, I need to actually, like, clean it, but I'm, you know, too busy or distracted or it's not a high enough priority. And it just, you know, one thing led to another, and then... Sooner or later, I don't know how this happened, but then the seat cover is not even there at all. It somehow ended up in the trunk. And now the whole back seat is full of dog hair. And I tell you, I'm I'm not making this up. Last week, I don't even know how this happened. Leah was in the front seat. He's never been in the front seat. Like, why are you in the front seat right now? And he's getting the front seat all full of dog hair. And now it's really embarrassing and gross. Like, it's actually gross. Like, I need to clean my car. And I wonder to myself, how did I get here? How did I get here? And, you know, it's kind of like that, that uh, the dish, dishes in the sink phenomenon, right? Moms know this. Like, after you do the dishes, it's like, don't you dare put a fork in that sink. Don't even dare put, like, we just did the dishes. But once there's a fork, it's like, why not a knife? There's a fork and a knife, why not a coffee cup? Well, at this point, why not a plate? Why not a few plates? And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, I just did the dishes. Where did all this come from? How do we all of a sudden have this huge mess in our house? And I share that example because it's so easy for us to just give in little by little, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place that we'd never planned on getting to, and then we just wonder, like, how did I actually get here? And I believe we can do this with our spiritual lives. Because I know that none of us are evil. We all know this, especially if you're here today. None of us are evil. But but all of us have been there before, right? Like all of us know what it's like to slowly, little by little, just kind of give in to the world. And we just give in to the world here and there, just a little small little here, there. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves wondering, how did we get here? How did I get to this point? I feel disgusting. I feel gross. I feel so unworthy. 
and sinful. And we know that we didn't mean to, the, to do that or to get here, but it just happened. It just kind of one small thing led to another, and here we are. Well, I share that, that example because today's gospel is a parable about evangelization. We're at the end of the liturgical year. Last week, this week, and next week, we're in Matthew chapter 25. It's at the end of his gospel, and we're talking about the end of time, when Christ will come again. And Christ is giving his, his explanation, his warning, his preparation. Last week, he made a distinction, not between the good and the bad, but between the prepared and the unprepared. This week, he's making a distinction between those that evangelize and those that don't. And next week, he'll make a distinction between those who love the poor and those who don't. But that's for next week. And so I want to just kind of give a little bit more context to the parable, as always, so that we have a greater understanding and then we can apply it to our lives. So this parable is a parable about a rich man who goes off on a journey and he entrusts his wealth to his servants. And to put it real simply, we have the wealthy man is Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, Son of God. And he goes on a journey, namely his death, resurrection, and ascension. He's no longer like walking in this world as he did 2,000 years ago. And we're waiting for his return. We don't know what it's going to be, but we know it'll come soon, eventually. And he entrusts his wealth to his servants, to his disciples. His wealth is all of creation. All of the world he entrusts to you and me, his servants, his disciples. And so in this parable, we have one servant gets five talents, another servant gets two talents, another gets one talent. And what is a talent? Well, in the context of, of the passage, first century Judaism, a talent was a form of currency, it's a form of money. And it was actually a substantial form of money. There's debates among scholars about the exact amount, but what we do know is that it was a lot. But because of the understanding of this passage, interestingly enough, because of the ways that the, the church fathers interpreted this passage and that Christians have interpreted this passage through the centuries, now we have the word talent to mean what it means today in English. Like talent is like our, our capability to actually do something. Because the church fathers understood that, that Jesus is telling this parable that it's not just about money, that it's about everything that we have is to be used for the greater glory of God. Okay, so the, the, the servant who got five talents uses his 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 talents, and invests in it and makes a profit, 100% profit, five more talents. And the one with two talents does the same, invests it, invest what he has been given and makes a profit. But the one with one talent is too afraid to do anything with it. Now, sure, fair enough, he doesn't squander the talent like the parable of the prodigal son. He doesn't do anything evil with the talent, but he keeps it to himself. He's afraid. And as the, the wealthy man returns, he calls him a wicked and lazy servant. So what's the message? The message is that everything we've been given, our material resources, our natural skills and abilities, even our spiritual charisms and gifts, all of it is a gift from God. And all of it is to be used for Him. 
especially for evangelization, to share the good news. And if we don't, sometimes we, we don't, you know, uh, we, our natural abilities, our spiritual gifts even, and, and our material resources, sometimes we don't use it for God. Instead, we use it for anything else. Or, or maybe sometimes we're, um, maybe we're just lazy, and so we just kind of neglect what we've been given. Or maybe we're afraid, and so we, we just kind of keep, hoard it all for ourselves. Or maybe we're just simply selfish, and, and we don't want to share it. But whatever it is, sometimes we just bury our treasure and we don't use it for God's kingdom. And Jesus is really clear that that person will not enter the kingdom of God. Okay, so it's a challenging, it's a challenging one. Jesus is challenging. He's often challenging. And, and I, I suppose that the challenging question to apply to our own lives is this. Whose kingdom are you serving? Are you serving with all of your, your gifts, your talents, your, your material resources? Are you using that to serve the kingdom of God? Or are you using that to serve the kingdom of the world? We are all missionaries. We are all on mission. We are all called to evangelize. But we need to talk a little bit about that word evangelization. You see, because sometimes... We think about evangelization is only limited to our conversations with non-Catholics. And, oh, like we're going to build up all of this like nervous energy, and then finally we'll talk to that person who's not Catholic, and we hope we say the perfect thing, and that's evangelization. Then we go home, and we just think about that experience. And, okay, like I don't want to belittle that. Like that, that is a, like it, we should talk to everyone, including non-Catholics. But evangelization is so much more than simply that everyone would become Catholic. Evangelization is so much more that simply everyone would just go to Mass. What is at the heart of that word? Evangelion means the gospel, the good news. To evangelize is to share the good news of the gospel at all times with everyone. And quite frankly, sometimes, a lot of times, we need to be evangelizing Catholics. Because we Catholics forget the good news of the gospel. And every moment of our life is a moment of evangelization. Every single conversation you have with your spouse, your children, your friends, co-workers, and strangers, all of it is evangelization. You have an opportunity to either share the good news of the gospel or not. To either build the kingdom of God or not. And sometimes, little by little, we just forget to evangelize. We get caught up in everything else. And it's, sometimes it's not even bad things. But we get caught up and we take all these small little steps. And then suddenly, because we've stopped evangelizing somewhere along the process, because we stopped caring about the good news of the gospel, we get lost. We say, how in the world did this sink get so dirty with dishes? How in the world is my car so filthy? How in the world is my spiritual life so dead? Every single moment, we are on mission. And our goal is not simply external success of everybody is sitting in the church pew. Our goal is that everyone is holy, sanctified, 
And that will only happen if, if we all care about sharing the good news, if that we all care about becoming holy. And as we become holy, everyone else will too. And so today, as we reflect on this gospel and the challenging part of this gospel, I just want to invite you to bring to prayer your own, your own self-evaluation. Are people becoming holy because of you, or are they becoming less holy because of you? And whatever the answer is to that question, perhaps we can just offer that to the altar and just ask the Lord Jesus that in all humility, all of us are weak and all of us are imperfect and all of us have fallen short, but the Lord can make all things new. So no matter where we are in that journey, he's ready for us to start evangelizing, even to Catholics, because we all need it and we all need the Lord's help. Amen.